Hello everyone, I'm your host Toko and this my podcast is the first for that. Welcome, welcome back. And as you can tell by the title, that's going to be talking about when God stewards the miracle and or a blessing. So I kind of wanted to speak on this from the perspective of what it looks like when, from our perspective of what it looks like when God is doing the counterintuitive and it's going to make sense in a minute, but just to give some context to what's happening in the story at this point, I'm going to be reading from Exodus 10, I was going to say 6, Exodus 10, verse 1 and 2. And if you're not familiar with the story, this is when God has commanded Moses to go to Pharaoh concerning Pharaoh letting the people go from their slavery. And this is right before he sends the swarm of locusts and this is quite pivotal because this is the third last plague that God sends. And I'm going to con- include the death of the firstborns in Egypt in this. And if you're not really sure why I'm saying third last, because God had been performing all these wonderful, like, miracles, supernatural things happening in the form of plagues to display his might and yet each time that god did that he hardened pharaoh's heart even to the point of him saying yeah no i'll i'll let you guys go if you guys reverse this or remove this and when moses and Aaron did that his heart would still be hard enough or to the extent of him um changing his mind essentially and this is i think the pivotal part of the story because this is right before the darkness, the plague of darkness, and right before the death of the firstborn sons. And I think it is those two plagues that come after kind of describe what would happen on the cross. Because when Jesus died at noon, it was dark and he was God's one and only son. So he is technically the firstborn son among us, his adopted children. So God was setting this up way in the beginning because Exodus is essentially the second book of the Bible. So God already had this grand plan way, way in the beginning. But that's not really the main point of this. I wanted to just talk about the perspective of God contrasted to what we think is happening when he's stewarding the miracles and the blessing. So reading from Exodus 10 verse 1 to 2, it says, A plague of locusts. Then... The Lord said to Moses, return to Pharaoh and make your demands again. I have have made him and his officials stubborn so that I can display my miraculous signs among them. I've also done it so that you can tell your children and your grandchildren about how I made a mockery of the Egyptians and about the signs I displayed among them. And you will know that I am the Lord. So some things to gauge from this is that God, the Lord tells him that go again to Pharaoh and make your demands. Meaning that there was, like I said, a history of Moses going to Pharaoh, like, let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, no. And then he comes back with the plague. And then Pharaoh's like, take this away. I'll let you guys go. And then he's like, oh, Moses is like, oh, we'll do that. And he's like, no, never mind. And then it even gets to a point where Pharaoh says, okay, yes, but only take the men. Okay, yes, it only take... um the women and 
Moses is like, no, it needs to be all of us. We need to take our livestock. Everyone needs to go. And Pharaoh's like, nope. And the surprising part about this is that God is the one that literally hardens his heart. If you read the beginning of the story when Moses returns back from um, his father-in-law's place, in I think his name is Jethro, he basically comes back from being commissioned by God and God says, I will harden his heart. And it says right here again that he's doing this so that he can insert Moses and Aaron essentially can go and tell their children, their grandchildren about how God made a mockery of the Egyptians and all the signs that he showed among them so that we can know that he is Lord. Most of the time when God does the counterintuitive, it's to highlight his glory, if not most of the time, all the time. He's doing it to highlight his glory and to show people that he's completely set apart and the ones that he's doing this through are completely set apart. The interesting part about these plagues is that the magicians and the advisors that would be around Pharaoh could do similar things. But the distinction between them is that Moses and Aaron were commissioned by God, but they weren't. And I think that goes into the second point of the, the, the miracles and what God is stewarding, the blessings, are bigger than us. Most of the time when we're going through situations that are hard, that feel like, God, where are you? We start questioning, God, are you here? Why are you forcing me to go here? What, what's going on? We just feel like he's working in a counter, counterintuitive way. It's bigger than us. It says verbatim here that he's doing this so that, we can, so that Moses can go and tell his grandchildren and children and know that he's the Lord. Along with that, I would say that the advisors of Pharaoh and the magicians saw that this is a different, different God. Further down, as you read on, the advisors even start questioning Pharaoh, like, why are you, why are you moving like this? This is surely the hand of God. And I think that's part of what a life of a Christian is like. We are commissioned to bring people to God. And part of that could also be reflected and be done through how God stewards the situations in our lives. Because I think the most sane, loosely saying sane way to do this would be, okay, go and tell Pharaoh and his heart is going to be soft and, and you guys will leave afterwards. That was going to be the story. That's how we human beings want things to happen. But God said, no, I'm going to harden his heart to show you guys and to show everyone around you that this is my doing. It's not because of how convincing of a speaker you are or how Aaron was by your side and he was, he did this one big miracle, one big um, unusual thing, the plague. It's because of the hand of the Lord. And each time that Moses goes back to the Lord, the Lord gives him instructions to go out. And the very beginning of this, when he commissioned Moses, he said, I will be with you. When Moses was questioned, like, I don't know, God. And the same applies to us. God hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still is with us when he commissions us to do things that seem impossible. He's still continually involved in our lives because he wouldn't do something that he himself hasn't already figured out. 
He wouldn't allow things to happen if he himself has, hasn't already had a plan or the end from the beginning. He knows what he's doing. And it's harder to conceptualize when things are happening in the most counterintuitive way and the most upside-down kingdom way, you know? But I think oftentimes when we're thinking about these situations and going back to it being bigger than us, I think we can be really selfish in terms of what's happening in our lives. We think, okay, the Lord has to work in this way according to my will because I'm the one that's struggling. But rarely do I ever see even myself or people around me think about how whatever situation that's happening or that person's going through, including myself, I don't see people thinking about how it impacts people who are watching. Because as a Christian, eyes are on you always. They're always on you. Be it people around you, people, unbelievers who are in your life, they're looking to see how you move as a Christian. Because unfortunately, because of people who are, who have very bad intentions or who have had bad intentions, Christianity has a bad rep. People who follow God are, even from times, ages past, people have always been perceived as negative because the word of God and the ways of God are offensive to our sinful nature. So if we decide to follow God and follow his ways, our lives might be offensive. Not even might, they will be offensive to people. They will be perceived as bad, not because they are bad, but because us human beings are so sinful that we don't even see how good God is. We perceive it as too, we perceive it as so good that it starts to be bad to us. That's how sinful we are. When we're born again as Christians, we start to see how God operates and we start to see how good he is and we start to submit to his will. We don't do it perfectly, of course. Sometimes because we are born of sin, we kind of follow the world's perception of God. But when we are constantly abiding in the Lord and we're going back to him, when we're set apart for God, people who are not will start to see how offensive it is. So when I say the miracles and the blessings and the things that God stewards are bigger than us, it really is bigger than us because at the end of the day, all glory goes to God and all glory belongs to him and he will be exalted. So as long as that's the case for God in your life, whatever he's taking you through, upside down kingdom or not, it's still going to give glory to God. It will always turn out for the good of those who love God and according to his purpose. Like God is good. So he's going to allow good things to happen. God is not going to be someone who is a tempter, who is going to be deceitful. That is the devil. And I want us to get that established right now because I feel like when things like this are happening, when God is working in a very counterintuitive way, we can start to start having a very bad perspective of God. We can start to have a unrighteous perspective of God. That's what God... Um, Job's friends in trouble. In the end of Job, in chapter 42, he speaks to his friends and says, you guys have 
spoken illly of me, spoken wrongly of me, go to Job and ask him to pray for you and I will accept you, your prayer on his behalf. Because God is not someone who, whose reputation can be tarnished. People in the world who are lawless rip, um, rip him apart in terms of his reputation. But if we are claiming to be of God, we have to realize that he's always good, even if it doesn't make any sense. Never once do we see Moses in this being like, Lord, this is low-key kind of like dumb. Like, what are you doing? Are you even there? <laughs> like, we don't see him rip God's reputation apart. Like, Lord, you're, you're kind of like a flip-flop. We don't see that. We just see him being obedient to God. And the only reason why he was obedient to God was because his heart posture was towards God. In the very beginning when God commissions him, he is doubtful. He is saying, but Lord, I'm not an eloquent speaker, but Lord, A, B, C, D, but Lord. And to me, that shows that it's okay to come to God with our questions and our doubts, as long as we're coming to him. And in the end, God's will prevailed. What, it, what God sent Moses to do, he did. God is sovereign, but he's also kind. When we are at our wit's end, when we are weary, we can go to him with our weariness and be like, Lord, I don't know what's going on. I, I don't understand what's going on, quite frankly. But we have to do it with the perspective of God being righteous, with the perspective of God being who he says he is, and and also from our hearts believing in God's reputation. We cannot approach God thinking the worst of him. That is not faith at all. When we pray to God and when we are going to him with our requests, we have to know that he is who he says he is. Otherwise, we're walking in partial belief, lukewarmness. You can't approach God, oh God, Bless me, take me, this, take me out of the situation where you don't believe that he is the author and creator of life, the author and finisher of life. When you don't believe who he says he is, when you don't believe that he is Yahweh, who, 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 um, what he, his name that he revealed to Moses, that is not righteousness. That is treating God like a genie, like, oh, I don't know who this, who this is or what spirit this is, I'm going to pray to it. No, God is not a genie. He's a being who has established himself as righteous. He is God. He is full of integrity. And he's righteous. So we have to approach him in that manner. And when we're going through things like this, we have to keep our feet firmly planted in him. That's why Jesus speaks about how, I um, mean, Matthew 7, about how the, the, the difference between building your 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 house on a solid foundation versus a weak foundation. That is talking about our belief in God and our in our uh, and our ability to abide in Him. When we abide in God, we build ourselves on a firm foundation. And the whole thing or part of the thing that Jesus was trying to talk about was when testing comes you will not fall because this life will be filled with testings. This life will be filled with impossible situations because of, because of sin. But whether or not you survive them depends on how solid your foundation is. And our foundation is found in God. 
So as I was saying about Moses, we don't see him going through the motions or saying, okay, Pharaoh, we're going we're gonna to come back as slaves. Forgive us for this. We don't see him backpedaling. We don't see him doing any of that. He's so obedient in what God commands him to do every time. Like, it's a, like it says here in the beginning, like then the Lord said to Moses, return to Pharaoh and make your, de- your demands again. And he did exactly that. He went to Pharaoh. It says in verse 3, so Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, they went and obeyed. Obedience comes from our, from our, for our, from our ability to abide in him and our heart posture. When we abide in God, we correct our heart posture towards obedience and then we can actually carry out obedience. People wonder how Christians do impossible things. It's because they come from a place of obeying God spending time with him, spending time with the spirit, allowing the spirit to to blossom, not suppressing or quenching the spirit. They come, it comes from spending time in the words that even when God is sending you, you can refer back to scripture and be like, oh, this is the scripture because God doesn't speak outside of his word. Scripture is his word. So when God is asking us to do stuff, he is backing it up, especially for us Christians, he's backing it up with his word. So when we are waiting on God to take us out of impossible situations, it's important that we let him do his thing. We let him steward the miracle the way he wants to steward it. So, yeah, I just wanted to kind of give a <laughs> a different perspective of God's stewarding and how he takes people out of situations sometimes and I think for the most part this is quite a I don't want to put a like a definite time frame on it but for me personally in the season of life it's kind of different because when you're a new believer when I was it's easy to be like Lord give me a sign and do this for me and he does it because our faith isn't mature enough to go through it I guess not always not for every person or every new believer but I think as we um, progress in our lives as Christians, God answers our praise in so many different ways. Just like Jesus would would heal people with the same issues in different ways. That's the way God heals and delivers us today. He heals, he provides in so many different ways. So why do we try to limit him in like, oh, because I said he has to. No, God is God. Let him be God. And let's walk in obedience. You know, far too long have we heard the typical, oh, you need to fast. You need to do this. You need to do that. You need to sow into this. Those are really good things that can be done if God has commanded you to do so. But oftentimes they have to be done in obedience. So, yeah, I just wanted to kind of break down that image of like, oh, I need to do this. But has God commissioned you to do that? Oftentimes people are doing things kind of like a checklist in order to get their goal. But they're not letting God instruct them in order for them to obey God. Oftentimes we want to obey our own list and criteria and our own perceptions of God instead of letting God lead us. We need to be led by God. People are in impossible situations because they believed a human being's words 
that God hasn't spoken through them to them instead of going to seek God themselves. We have to seek him ourselves, especially when we're in hard situations. Those are opportunities for us to seek God. Every single time before Moses went to go and display or perform this plague, Moses and Aaron, but Moses, he would be speaking to God. Meaning that he was going there to meet with God. He was listening to God's voice. He was listening to what God was saying. And because of the closeness that, they, that he had with God, oftentimes it just starts out like, oh, then the Lord said this. And the Lord said that. We have to get to a point of letting the Lord speak the way he wants to speak because at the end of the day, he is Lord and he always, he's good, even, even when we're not good. So hopefully this has been helpful. Hopefully this has been insightful because I just want people to have a different perspective of how God answers us and a kind of like a baseline of how God operates. He may be doing different things, but the baseline is that he is God and he needs to, we need to give him not even room our entire lives for him to operate as God. So yeah, I just wanted to give that and hopefully this has been helpful like I've been saying and I want to just say thank you so much for listening and I am just so appreciative of this podcast. I hope for bigger and bigger, better things. So yeah, thank you so much for listening. I love you and most importantly, the Lord loves you. Oh, also, please go and spend alone time with God. Please, please, please. Anyway, I love you and most importantly, the Lord loves you. Bye. As you may or may not know, Christians are being persecuted in other countries on a daily basis. So I believe it's up to us Christians, fellow believers in Christ, to support them either financially or spiritually. So would you please, please, please click the link in my bio under persecuted Christians, support them financially and join me in prayer either five minutes, two minutes a day just to pray for them and pray for their strength and their courage to continue worshipping God and to continue following Jesus. Thank you.